So I just want to wish you a happy Mother's Day. It's not my favorite holiday, and maybe some of you have the same, not your favorite holiday either. Um, I have two kids, so that qualifies me as a mother. I've got adopted kids that I've adopted through the ministry that I'm like a second mom to them. And you can't help it if you're a woman, you're probably mothering somebody somewhere, even if you don't have any kids, you're a mother. Because you will mother, it's what God has put inside of you to be a mother. And I decided that if my kids were going to be jerks, I'm going to go and mother somebody who would receive what I have. So that's my story in a nutshell. Um, you know, it's it's hard for a lot of reasons for moms. And I want to talk to you this morning. We're going to start out in 1 Samuel 1. You know, and it's very hard these days for people that are trying to raise kids. I'm glad I can... My kids are raised. I don't know how you can raise a child in this culture without God. Because there's so many influences. There's so many things that are happening in the school system, even in Texas. There's so many things that are pushing on these kids. That, you know, kids have cell phones when they're eight years old. I mean, it's, it's, they, some of them have better cell phones than me. And it's, it's incredible what the kids have but it's incredible what they lack they have so many material things and yet they lack a basic knowledge they don't know god i had mentioned good friday and wednesday night a couple wednesdays back and all the kids are like huh what's good friday i said i said well that was last week it was good friday and they say well what was that you know they they have no knowledge of god but they have knowledges of sex. They have knowledge of homosexuality. They have knowledge of all kinds of things that they have been. It's, it's child abuse, what these kids know. And I'm not saying parents are abusive. I'm saying our culture is abusing our children these days. So raising them takes a lot of prayer. It takes a lot of standing in 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 that gap for our kids even if your kids are grown you can still pray for somebody else's kids that aren't quite grown yet amen so i don't want to get to the end of the message before we even got to the start of the message so let's start in first samuel 1 1 through 8 now there was a certain man of ramah zophim of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, and the son of Jehoam, the son of Elihu, the son of Toha, the son of Zoph, an Ephraimite. And he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Penaniah. And Penaniah had children, but Hannah had no children. So we can see right there there's going to be a problem. Hannah was the first wife, and she couldn't have children. And back then, children were everything. So Elkanah went and he got a second wife. And you could read through the Old Testament how many times it happened. We look at what happened with Abraham and Sarah, that 
he, Sarah couldn't have children, even though there was a promise there. But Sarah, trying to help things, said, well, why don't you just take my handmaiden? That was a big help. It turned out to be the biggest disaster that we're still paying for today. And this man went up out of the city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And to the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And when the time that Elkanah offered, he gave to Paniah, his wife, and to her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. And her adversary also provoked her sore, for to make her fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. And then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why weepest thou, and why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Am I not better to thee than ten sons? And my question to you today is, is not God better to you than your own children? You know, children, mothers, mothers are, they have the heart of their children. They carry their children. And sometimes when our children go in different directions, the heart of the mother just is broken. And millennials, they're being told now that to forsake motherhood for their careers, they're being told that those who become mothers... Or is because they don't have anything better to do, so they just become a mother. You know, the, the role of a mother has been so down, denigrated, because the state wants to take your children. You, know, you can see, you know, they're talking about now pre-K. We've got to get them in pre we got to get them in school. We gotta, and a lot of parents are pushed because they are working two jobs, some out of necessity, some because the, the mother can't tolerate the kids, so they go to, they go to work instead. But the children are left basically on their own. And the state wants to come in and wants to indoctrinate these kids. And so millennials, they're they're told that, you know, motherhood is not that honorable. Motherhood is one of the most honorable positions. When when a, a mom is at the end of her life, she's not looking at her career. She's looking at her children. You know, Career, fame, fortune, big house, those, those things don't matter. Every one of you that are mothers, if I were to ask you what's the most important thing, I know what you would say. You would say your children are most important or your grandchildren. Why? Because that's the way God made us. God made us to let these children, to let those little ones be important to us. It's not all this other stuff. But society keeps lying to women and telling them that, you know, all this other stuff, you know, to be fulfilled, you need a career. To be fulfilled, you need this or that. You don't need all that. You need God to help you to be a better mother. That's what we need. You know, that those women who become mothers, you know, didn't get a career because they're, you know, well, you're too dumb to do anything else. So you might as well just be a mother. It's not a good attitude in society today. And not even, this is Mother's Day, but fathers have it even worse. 
to be a, a, an old white male in this society is like it's it's like one of the worst things you can be right now. The way that society is because they don't there's no respect. They've lost respect not only for the father, but for the mother, too. It's an honor to be a mother. It's an honor to have God entrust you with that life. And we can all remember when our babies were born. You know, how exciting they were born. My first one was nine pounds. He was a bruiser. (laughs) And so, and he took all day to deliver. So the second time when I had my daughter... She came out like four hours and boom, she was there. I wasn't expecting that because the first time was was rather long. But mothers, mothers take care of things even if you're working. See, even if you're working, you're still taking care of stuff. You're still handling the emotional load of your kids and handling the school projects and You know, I need a glue stick and I don't have any and I need this and I need that. And you're at Walmart ten times a week for that project that they should have done. And, you know, mothers nurture, they take care of the next generation. And they take care of grandkids. And then when grandkids come, it's even better because you can ship them off. You know, and then some of us, not you can't ship them off. So you don't, you've got the daily grind. A lot of people are raising their grandkids through circumstances. You know, Mother's Day is bittersweet. We love our kids, but we're provoked by their behavior. A lot of us, our kids just provoke us. Just like Peniah was provoking Hannah. Our kids provoke us by their behavior, their addictions, their selfishness. They're easily offended by us, their mother. And so we have to walk on eggshells by them because we don't want to lose their relationship. They've neglected their children, so instead of parenting, we're grandparenting. You know, we're being parents at 60 years old when we thought this was the time we were going to rest. But now we're starting all over with our kids, our grandkids. You know, sitting in the ball field was fun when you're 30 when you're 60, it's like you got to get out of that seat after a while. <laughs> and the body doesn't move as well. That's why you had your little ones, and that's why you could be grandmothers and grandparents. You know, some of our kids are caught up in alternative lifestyles. You know, and we have to talk about it. Because we're ashamed as, our, as parents, you know, they're homosexual, they're transgender, they're lesbians. And we don't want to talk about it. We're ashamed of it. But we have to talk about it because it's a reality in this society. Their problems come to the, come up, may come as a mother. We're obsessed with our children's problems. We can get obsessed with them. And to the point where God says, Mom, aren't I better to you than ten sons? We can't become so obsessed with what our children's need and what they desire and who they are. We can't become so obsessed with that that we forget that God sits on the throne of our heart and not our children. Amen? God is saying, you have my entire affection. Isn't that enough? 
you know, and then we're like, but but our babies. Some women, this is a hard day because they're childless. Some have had a child die or they've been rejected by their children. Some children have rejected our values and have gone totally the opposite direction. And the devil takes all of these circumstances and provokes moms to tears and provokes us just like Paniah provoked Hannah. The devil takes and provokes us. It says in Matthew Henry, when I was reading the commentary for this, it says, We ought to take notice of our comforts to keep from grieving excessively for our crosses. For our crosses we deserve, but our comforts we have forfeited. If we would keep the balance even, we must look at that which is for us as well as that which is against us, else we are unjust to providence and unkind to ourselves. We have to keep our eyes focused on the Lord. It's only God that's going to help us. It says in Romans 8.31, what shall we then say to these things if God be for us, who can be against us? God's for us. God's for you, moms. But just like I've ministered many, many times, your kids have a free will. And sometimes we get so focused on our kids that we forget about the God that gave them to us. I pray for my children every day and I say, Lord, you love my children more than I do. You love my children so much that you died on the cross for them. So I have to put it back on God that he loves our children more than we love them. If that's even imaginable, because I can't imagine the the love of a mother being less than the love of God. But that's that's so. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. In Matthew 16, 24 and 26. And Jesus said unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? What will you exchange for your soul? Are you going to be so consumed with your children that you're willing to give up your walk with the Lord? The cross we bear is the burden we bear. The cross tells us that our emotions are not the boss. That's what the cross tells us. Our emotions are not the boss. When we pick up our cross, the cross says the emotions are not the boss. The cross says that our situation is not the boss. The cross says your children's free will and their situation is not the boss. The cross says that our thoughts are not the the boss. And the cross says that our children are not the boss of us. That's what the cross says. When we pick up that cross, he says, what did he say? Deny yourself. And there's a reason for that. It's not that God's trying to be cruel. 
Because he gave us emotions and he gave us thoughts and he gave us our children. He's not trying to be cruel to us. He's trying to protect us. He's trying to keep us from actually flipping out and losing our cookies when our kids start to do things that we'd probably kill them for if we could. Amen? I mean, honestly, sometimes you see them, you think the first 18 years of their lives are hard. Come on. The first 18 years are a breeze considering when you're raising, when you're watching what your adult kids are doing after they get out of the house. Because you can't punish them then. You can't do anything then. Your hands are off of them. They're adults. And so you can't fix it. And boy, sometimes we try to fix it. Even when the kids are 40 and 50 years old, we're still trying to fix their life because we've got to keep our hands on them because we're so consumed with fear. Well, that's another part. Let's just go on. The cross we bear is cruel to our flesh that wants to rule our lives. That's why he said, pick up the cross. It's cruel to the flesh. But God is not cruel. He knows mothers We cannot carry the burdens ourselves. And you know that, too. When your child was a small baby, there came that time when you couldn't pick it up anymore. They were just too big for you. And I have a son. He's 6'3". I can't pick him up. You know, you can't. How many of you remember the day that you just couldn't pick them up anymore because they were too heavy? And yet spiritually, we sometimes stubbornly insist on carrying them, even as they're adults and they have their own free will. We're still trying to pick them up and carry them. The definition of burden is something that is emotionally difficult or that causes great worry and stress. The Lord will help you carry the burden of your cross. When Jesus was crucified, he was too weak to carry the cross The soldiers told Simon of Cyrene to carry it for him. That was a model for us. Even Jesus, when he had been beaten and battered and bruised, he couldn't carry that cross. So somebody had to help him carry it. And we're no better than Jesus. Amen? We need help carrying our cross. Everything that was done in the crucifixion was done for a purpose. And the burdens of our cross of loss are too heavy for us. You know, some of you have experienced terrible loss with your kids. But there's three burdens I want to just go over with. First of all, the burden of grief. That burden is immobilizing and will keep us from enjoying our portion. Just like Hannah couldn't enjoy her portion. Grief will keep you from enjoying that. The portion of grief, prolonged grief, turns into self-pity. If you don't deal with grief, now there's a normal grieving period for a loss. We we just lost John Brumley, and there's going to be a normal grieving period. You know, they grieve for Moses. Grief in itself is not a bad thing. If you don't grieve, then there's a problem. But I think moms tend to... Because we're, we operate in the emotional. You know, we're, we're the emotional half. We have 
mice problem right now that we're having an exterminator take care of tomorrow. I see a mouse. I, actually, I was pretty reserved. There was a mouse in the bathtub yesterday. And I sat on the bed. Well, the day before we had the encounter with the mouse, I flat, we have a little pocket door. and That's my bathroom. And then the bathroom on the other side of the house, that's Clarence's. And um, we saw one of the little guys poked his head out. And I said, Clarence, there's somebody here. <laughs> I hear it scratching. He goes, no, it's the cat. And I said, no, it's not the cat. And he had said, well, I have to go to the bathroom. So he got up and went into his bathroom. And I had the flashlight shining. And then it poked its head out. And we made eye contact for a while. And I was, like, creeped out all day. And it's like, doesn't he know I have things to do? And it's like, I have to walk around with shoes on just in case. And, and the mouse, is, it's like, it's crazy, right? The mouse is this big. It's like, yeah. the first one I saw ran across the floor in the kitchen. I thought that was it. I was screaming that there is a mouse in the house. The second mouse that I saw was the one in the pocket door. But the day before that, the cat, who is really a lousy, if the cat had to fend for itself, it would be dead. All right? Because we walk down, we have a hallway, and usually in the morning I get my tea, the cat walks down the hall with me, the cat tries to sit in my chair, and I move it out, and we have this little game that we play, kind of. And the cat stops dead in front of the hall and looks down, and I'm going, all right. And it's only got one expression, right? It's got the intense staring at it. And I said, there's somebody. At first, I thought it was a bug because the, the fact that there's mice in the house just didn't even cross my mind. It's like, oh, there's a bug in the closet because we get those big things, the big bugs. And I said, well, it's got to be that in the closet, right? A big bug which I'm not really keen on either. And, and she does nothing with that. There was one on the curtain, and she slapped it a couple times and walked away. And it's like, you didn't get it. What is wrong with you? So the closet, I told Clarence, I said, there's a bug in the closet. I know there's a bug. And we opened the closet, and the floor was covered with cat food. And it's like, this ain't a bug. So we knew we had mice. But this is the emotional end of the woman I saw that mouse in the bathtub, and I was cool. It was like, don't scream, all right? It's in the bathtub. You want to you, you wanna be acting better than just screaming. And Clarence goes, what do we do? Do we chase it? And I said, no, no. We, we, bought, stra we bought these traps that are really cool. If you ever need a mouse trap, it's kind of it's got a tube on it. You won't, hit your you won't hurt your finger loading it. it just, it's got an elastic band or something, a real, and it just snapped. And so, <laughs> so I said, get the, I said, put the trap in the bathtub because it's, you know, it, it's running around the bathtub. It was really awful. And I said, just put the trap in the bathtub and leave it. But, you know, all day long, it's like really creepy. Now the exterminator is coming tomorrow to do his thing. But ladies, I mean, how many of you with mice, it's like... I can't tolerate them. I don't like the bugs. But now the bugs have gotten to be second place because the mice are first place. I hate mice. I've never had to deal with mice before. And now they're like, the one ran across the floor yesterday and the cat's watching it. It's like, seriously? 
What kind of cat do we have? So women, you know, we scream. We had one house. We lived up in the country. This was a while ago. We had bats. And I saw the bat flying around. So I got on the chair and I'm screaming. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. Use your head. The bat is flying around. You're standing on the chair. You're also now higher than when you were on the floor. So women, we don't, we don't always rationally think. We think with our emotions and with our kids the same way. You know, it's like, what, what were you thinking with that? What were you doing with that? And then hopefully, if you're not having to deal with single parenthood, which is an entirely different subject, because now you're mother and father. But when you're dealing in single parenthood, you don't have that other half to kind of bring a balance to that child's life. And I pray that if you're single, I've I've been a single mother twice in my life. I don't like it. But if you are and you know people that are single and you're a man, be, start mentoring those children. Be a mentor to these children because they not only need a mother, they need a father too. But if you're single, God will give you the grace to raise those children. But see, women, we just want to react with those things. So grief keeps us in self-pity because we're, um, we're, we're emotional beings and we've got to be able to handle these things. You know, a child dies, a child rejects us. You know, there's all kinds of things that can keep you in the mode of grief. And if you're grieving and it's excessive, you need to ask God to release you from that today. Excessive grief isn't going to hurt, help you. You know, I've got a son that I'm totally estranged from, and it hurts. You know, it just hurts. And you might have children that you're estranged from or children that are doing things that you really wish they wouldn't do. And so there's a wedge there. But the advice of somebody, we had um, a friend of ours who wasn't, didn't really turn out to be a friend, but he told us to go where we're celebrated and it wasn't a nice thing. It was he was being he's being quite rude, as a matter of fact. <laughs> but it turned out to be good advice because I've heeded the advice and I'm going where I'm celebrated. And I've adopted Aubrey as my granddaughter. I've adopted a granddaughter. I've got several my great niece, I just got a text from her last week, two years ago. I made her a just a boatload of doll clothes. I love dolls. And if I find a little girl who loves dolls, I'm like this because I love dolls. So I was knitting at the time, and I just knitted her a whole bunch of doll clothes. And she loved them. So I got this random text on Wednesday night, two, two Wednesdays ago. Um, I got a new doll. I'll send you the measurements. Can you make me clothes? And I'm thinking, is this Amber? I'm hoping it's Amber. And it's not like out on some chat group or something where I'm going to start getting requests for doll clothes. But I was kind of, on the other hand, excited because a couple of weeks ago I got a new sewing machine. And I was looking at the doll clothes thinking, well, I would make doll clothes. But she had a little 
14-inch doll, and I couldn't find any good patterns for that, but I could find all the American Girl dolls. Well, she got a new American Girl doll, so I was like, serious? Yes. Is this Amber? Yes. Okay. You're on. So I sent her a whole bunch of them Wednesday, um, this past Wednesday. So I, she said, can I call you? And I said, sure. And she goes, you're the best. You're just like a second mom to me. So you see, you can influence just because your own kids won't celebrate you or they're being difficult or they're being the way they are. Go find somebody who celebrates you. Use your mother instincts for somebody who appreciates it. Stop knocking your head around trying to get your kids to love you or to do what you think. Find somebody who's looking for a mother. Find somebody who's looking for a mentor. Find somebody that God will put in your place that you can get your mother thing going. Amen? And what does that do? It gives the provoker a black eye. Because I'm going to impart into as many women and young women that I can find that will listen to me. Because I have something to offer. And I'm not going to listen to the devil telling me I have nothing to offer. Amen? Every one of us in this room have something to offer. Every woman in this room has something to offer the younger generation. Look at them. Look at these kids, what they're going through. They need a root system. They need adults around. Even if you're raising them and you're raising them in church, we have them, if they come Sunday and Wednesday, we have them for two hours a week. If that's all they're getting is two hours a week, they don't have a good chance. But if they have a root system where you're involved with other people that are healthy and they're spiritual and they could they could impart into their lives. When those kids have a question, maybe they won't come to you, but they'll come to somebody else that they trust because they've grown up with them and they, they have relationship with them. See, if they, they've got to have a good root system. These kids growing up, they've got to have a healthy root system. They've got to have people that they can trust. They've got to have people all around them. And people that, that love them enough that's going to tell them the truth. Be that woman. Be that mother. Be the person who loves other people that care about their lives that want to impart into them. Do you know the hardest department we have of finding people to work in is children's ministry. First of all, people are afraid of kids. You know, and quite frankly, I have to agree that they can be, well, they can be pretty scary. (laughs) But it's hard to get people to give up their time. So they can mentor somebody else's child. You know, love the next generation enough to give up a Wednesday or a Sunday morning. Love them. They're they're really sweet. We decorated it for spring and there's all these flowers in the hall. 
And Nolo is so funny. She's one of the little ones that we have. She walks down the hall. She goes, is there a party tonight? (laughs) I said, no. I said, we just decorated it just for you. But they don't, they need our help, mothers. They need help. They need a root system. They need somebody that they can talk to and turn to when life tosses them to and fro. And we can be that instead of being stuck in self-pity because our own kids don't follow the Lord or their own kids aren't here or their own kids are, you know, they're, they're gone now. Imparting to somebody else. God didn't put all that stuff in you just for you to sit there and feel sorry for yourself. Amen. The next one is fear. Okay, the burdens. We're talking about the burdens of the cross. Fear can be a big burden for us as moms. Fear keeps you anxiously predicting doom for your kids. I know they're not going to serve God. I know they're going straight to hell when they die. You know, fear will help you carrying your kids long past what's healthy. You know, you got to do for them. They're adults. They're 50. They're 60 years old. And you're still doing for them like they were 10. But I know, I mean, I was clueless when I raised, listen, I was 23 when I had my son. I was still tying his shoe when the kid was like nine years old. I was tying his shoes. I didn't know that you were supposed to teach him. But my background was dysfunctional. So I had to have somebody pull me aside and said, no, you need to teach him. Even though he cries about it, you still need to teach him. I think my answer was I went out and got him Velcro shoes. But... Fear will keep you carrying your kids longer than what is healthy for you. Remember, after they, re- they get a certain weight, you can't pick them up anymore. Well, you can't carry these kids. You know, stop, stop enabling bad behavior with your kids. You know, you give them money when they, you shouldn't be giving them money. I don't want to be meddling. Because nobody's told me nothing. All I know is that there's a bunch of smiling faces looking back at me. <laughs> but, you know, we wear, we wear ourselves out trying to fix things for our kids out of fear. Moms are the fixers. Amen? Moms fix everything from boo-boos to buttons that are not off. That's why I, I am excited about this sewing machine because it does. It actually sews buttons on. And I don't have to take shirts and, like, put them on the bottom of the closet anymore or hide them anywhere from my husband. And he says, honey, where is that shirt? Well, I can't fix the button. That's why it's somewhere else. But we want to fix things for our adult kids. And that places a big strain on us. Sometimes it it places a strain on your marriage because you're fixing stuff that you don't need to be fixing for your kids. Or how about the fear of our kids turning against us so we walk on eggshells because we don't want to say that. We don't want to hurt their feelings. You know, sometimes it's not a bad thing to get your feelings hurt. You know, if you drive 80 miles an hour and the person on the passenger side says you need to slow down or we're gonna, we might get into an accident and they don't listen and you say slow down... That's not a bad thing, even if the driver gets mad. 
So we don't have to walk on eggshells or compromise to keep them happy. Sometimes as parents, we just shut our mouths when we see our kids walking off the cliff. We don't say anything. Now, admittedly, you don't have to nag. I mean, there's always balance, right? We don't want to nag them to the point where they don't want to see us anymore either. But we have to trust God. And then we fear total rejection of them, where they just don't want to have anything to do with us. So we walk on eggshells, you know, well, we try to make them happy. And, you know, we stop it. Just stop it. Shame and guilt is the last burden that we bear. You know, we might have been terrible parents. You know, at least that's what some of our kids may tell us, how terrible we were. You know, it's all subjective. Looking back, it's amazing. If you've got a kid that's so bitter against their parents, and they they know how to push our buttons, don't they? And tell you about all the things that you've done that were so horrible. But they don't tell you about all the times that you were there for them. All the good things that you did with them. You know, they have to, they, they tell you all the things that you didn't do right. You know, well, I'm here to tell you that even if they're like that, there's a lot of things that you did do right. That, you know, unless you tied them up in a dog crate and fed them dog food, you were probably a, a decent parent. And our kids have a tendency, if they're, if they're bound with bitterness and resentment, and anger, they have a tendency to pull our strings and to make us feel guilty about the way we've raised them. Don't take on that guilt. You know, you have a free will, but your children have a free will too. I mean, obviously, if you've done things that were bad to them, ask them to forgive you and then just move on from there. You can't... You can't go back. Nobody goes back. Everybody goes forward. You know, but shame and guilt causes us to withdraw and not reach out to others because we feel provoked daily about how awful we are. But, you know, we're just such awful people. Who would want to who would want to have a relationship with us? And that's not true. That's not true. Stop having your kids manipulate you. By having them tell you what an awful childhood they had. You know, we've all had bad parts of childhood. We've all had good parts of childhood. It's a balance. Even if you've had a bad childhood, there's there's got to be something good that came out of it. You know, I had a bad childhood, but I had a good... I, I My parents did things that for me that were very good and helpful to me. I have a good worth at work ethic that they instilled in me at a very young age. There were things that they instilled in me, even though that there were bad things that that happened during the time I was growing up, there were still good things. So major on the good things. And don't let your kids manipulate you for that one time that you yelled at them because they did something, and now that they're bitter adults because, you know, that's, they want to keep you, they want to keep you upset with them and they want to keep in they want to keep in control over your emotions don't let that happen to you moms matthew 
sorry. My husband writes all these out. Now I understand why. Okay. Matthew 28, it says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest in your souls. For my burden is easy, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So come, come to me. Bring these burdens to the Lord. Don't carry these burdens anymore, moms. Don't carry them anymore. You don't have to. What's more of a testimony if you're walking around? Now, I did something when I was younger that I'm not proud of. Well, actually, I did a lot of things that I'm not proud of. I wasn't saved at the time. (laughs) Isn't that funny how we all have to, well, not we all have to, I have to put a caveat in front of what I'm going to tell you now is like, well, I wasn't saved at the time, (laughs) you know, as if it made it any better. No, it didn't make it any better, but I had moved in with a man and this was back in the seventies. Okay. So it was before that that was like even acceptable or, you know, not like today where it's, you know, almost normal, but, um, And my mom, I had finally consented to see my parents, which was kind of ironic because where we had lived was right next to my dad's favorite bar. And he never saw my car there, which was kind of strange. But anyways, I had gone a couple of weeks had gone by and I wasn't talking to my parents at that point. But I had seen my dad on the road and he stopped and he's crying and he goes, just come home and talk to your mother. She's really upset. It's like, well, okay. And I was, I don't know, 20. I was young and stupid. So I went to the house and I went to get a cup of coffee and I opened the refrigerator door and the the refrigerator was bare. And that's not like my mother. It wasn't like my mom. And I said, Mom, where's your food? And she goes, I'm so embarrassed about what you're doing. I couldn't go to the grocery store. Well, it didn't help me in my young rebellion and my young, you know, all it did was just make me mad. But anyways, I don't know where were we going with that. The burden of the kids. But, um, you know, so we, we all do stupid things. We've all done things to hurt our parents and everything. But my mother's reaction was, you know, I mean, really, we, we lived in a small town. Not as small as Aubrey, but a small enough town. And I don't know how many people really cared whether I was living with a man or not. I don't know. But according to my mother, everybody was talking about it. So I don't know why I told you that. I I know it had something to do with what I was going to tell you. But anyways, if you get in that position with your kids, don't do that to your kids. Because that's not going to endear them. It certainly didn't endear me to my mom at that point. All right, Psalm 68 Verse 19, blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits, even the God of our salvation. He that is our God is the God of salvation and unto God, the Lord belongs the issues from death. But God. No, that's not what I wanted. All right. Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits, even the God of our salvation. The Amplified Bible says, who carries our burdens. 
who carries our burdens. Blessed be God who carries our burdens for us. See, I'm so delivered, I can make mistakes from the pulpit and not feel embarrassed about it. Amen? But I have grace this morning because of those mice. I mean, really, it did cut into my study time. I'm not making excuses. I can't study if I know that the mice are in there. Thank you for that amen. I know that Sister Barbara is a dynamic Sunday school teacher. And I love working with Barbara. And the kids love her, too, because she's just so sunny. And she's really pretty funny as as well, too. And I enjoy her personality. But see, I'm drawn to that because she's fun. And I always look for her. And when she comes in, I mean, how many of you just love Barbara? Because she's sunny. I mean, that's the word when you look at Barbara. And Cliff is just looking at me going, no. Oh. <laughs> but see... Be like Barbara. She's sunny. She doesn't have a care in the world. Now, we don't know. There's probably things going on at times. But I look for Barbara because it makes me happy when I see her. Amen? So I, I appreciated that amen, sis. And that was good and loud, and it was an encourager. First Peter 5, 6 through 10 This one I know is the right one. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. That's how you you get those burdens off of you. When he says, pick up your cross, he's not doing it to hurt you. He's saying, you pick up the cross because it's not good for your flesh to carry this stuff. But I'm going to help you. To carry it. He's going to help us. He's going to be our burden bearer. He says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who has called us unto eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect. Establish, strengthen, and settle you after a while. Just as Jesus, when he was walking down the road and they had to help him carry the cross, Jesus, God will strengthen you and help you to carry your burden, help you to carry your cross. Is it hard? Yes. Is it sometimes painful? Yes. Is there any other way? No. Just like when Jesus was in the garden and he said, Lord, if there be any other way, take this cup from me. See, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. He had to go through all that. He bore the burden for you. So you don't have to bear it, Mom. You don't have to bear these burdens. I want to go back to Samuel because I don't want to leave Hannah hanging with her story. 
I want to read the rest of the story for Hannah. So Elkanah said in verse 8, Am I not better to thee than ten sons? Verse 9, So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by the post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thy handmaid and remember me, and thou shalt not forget thy handmaid, but will give me thy handmaid and man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come unto his head. And it came to pass, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she had been drunk. And Eli said unto her, How long will thou be drunk? Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thy handmaid for a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. So she poured out her complaint to the Lord. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the Lord of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thine handmaiden find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. So what was her combat? She took it to the Lord in prayer. And it says this in Matthew Henry. It was put upon Hannah, considering, Do I well to be angry? Do I well to fret? What good does it do me? Instead of binding the burden thus upon my own shoulders, had I better ease myself of it and cast it upon the Lord in prayer. Take your burdens of your children to the Lord in prayer. Don't let them on your shoulders. You can't carry them. They're too big for you. It's too big to carry. And God will take that. God, because God loves those children more than we do. Amen? So we can't be grieving. We can't be fearful. And we can't be, well, what was the other one? There was another one. I gotta look back at my notes. I had a good ending too. Shame. We can't be ashamed. Give that all to God. And you can be free. You can be free. I sleep well at night except for when the mice are running around. (laughs) And I can hear them and I know they're in there. But listen to this, what else Matthew Henry said. He said, Elkanah had said, Am I not better to thee than ten sons, which perhaps occasioned her to think within herself? Whether it be so or not, God is. And therefore to him will I apply, and before him will I pour out my complaint and try that relief that will be given to me. Amen. Honey, would you come up and just be on the piano? We love you, moms, and we honor your position. And we want to pray this morning that if you've got those burdens of heaviness, Mother's Day is not my favorite. And it never has been. But it's getting better. Amen. 
better and better. Now this year I got a granddaughter. She brought me flowers. You can even see them after. But I'm not going to go down without a fight. Amen. I don't want you to go down without a fight either. Because some of our kids, you know, they can cause you so much anxiety and stress that you, you wonder, don't you ever look at your kids and wonder, did I really bear them? <laughs> you know, is that this little, is this the little nine pound baby, that bundle of joy that, that's causing me such grief of heart? But you know what? You don't have to bear that burden anymore. He said, take that burden and give it to me. And then you be free and then go where you're celebrated. Find other little ones that need you. See, Aubrey needed a grandma. She's kind of funny. I think Connie, you're older than me. <laughs> Connie's saying, yeah. But see, Morris and Connie, they adopted their little Aubrey. Because she needed a mama and a daddy. And they're pouring out on her. And she's a joy. And you think about where these kids would be without the grandmas and the great grandmas. Where would these kids be? But if you have that burden this morning, let's all just bow our heads. I want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, we just love our moms. And I don't know situations in this room. But, Father, I thank you as we, we just come before you that you would just heal those broken hearts, that you would mend those hearts that, that have been broken by our children. Father, those that, that have just provoked us so much, that have caused grief, that have caused shame, that have caused us to fear for their very salvation. Father, we just lift up all of our children and our grandchildren before you. We lift them up in prayer, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, that you cover them with the blood. And, Father God, that you help us to pray, not, pray, not scared prayers, Father. But we would pray fair, prayers of faith. Father, that we would bring our children to the throne room every day. And the grandchildren, Father, those that, that are helpless, that, that don't have, that if their parents are, are not serving you. That we would bring our grandchildren and our great-grands up to you every day. Not in fear, Father, but in obedience to you. Father, that we bring them before you. Lord, we thank you that they're our seed. And, Father, that they have that incorruptible seed of the word in their spirit. And, Lord, we thank you. And we ask you, first of all, to forgive us for taking your place by trying to be God to our children. Father, I thank you that you just minister to every heart of every woman in this sanctuary. Lord, that where those women, they've had their heart broken because of the expectation that they had for their children wasn't met. Father, for, for the children that are on drugs or addicted to different, different things. Father, for the children that have totally rejected their parents. Father, we just lift up these moms to you in the name of Jesus. God, that you would minister to their hearts today. Father, that you would let them know that you love them, that you care for them. Father, that you're not mad at them for the mistakes that they've made with their kids. But, Father God, that your hand is ever stretched out. 
And we just love you, Lord. We just love you and we just thank you for carrying that burden for us. And Father, we just ask that you bless each and every woman in this house today. Bless them, Lord. Father, give them the joy for those who have been in in grief and mourning. Father God, release them and give them the joy of the Lord. Father, put children in their paths and people that they can mentor. Put millennials in their path that they can mentor and, and be a help and a friend to. Father, each one of us as women have something to offer this generation coming up. Lord, put the people in our path that you would have us to impart into. And Father God, we're just careful to give you praise and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, I mean, knows that God carries our burdens. And we're going to leave our children at the foot of Jesus this morning. Amen. Even if they're grown, if they're grandkids, great-grandkids, we can just let God minister to them right where they are. Amen. Because the Lord's on our side. Amen. Praise God. We, we, we welcome all the mothers here this morning and want you to just know that you're loved. You're loved by your family. You're loved by God. You're loved by us. And God's got great things in store for all of us. Amen. Praise God. Just so thankful that all of you. Don't forget your gift as you go out. Let's stand to our feet this morning and let's just thank God. And if you need further prayer or, or, or anything from the Lord, don't hesitate to come up and just grab us and we'll pray with you some more. Amen. If that's what you need. Praise the Lord. And you know, I know this is Mother's Day and a lot of people have a lot of things going on, activity. Now, Pat and I will be here at 6 o'clock in the church. We'll be here in case anybody comes. <laughs> but I'm, what I'm, not, I'm not putting pressure on you to be here. How many understand what I'm saying? Because this is a day for mothers and their children. But if you are here, we'll be here. Amen. But amen. God's so good, isn't he? Isn't he? Praise God. Well, turn to somebody and say, you sure look happy. Praise God. God bless you. And let's go out of here praising the Lord. Amen. Well, let's just praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let all of God's people praise the Lord. Lift up those holy hands. Shake off those heavy bands. Let all of God's people praise the Lord.